This is Coda Radio, episode 210 for June 21st, 2016. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this your show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, like a soldier established on the East Coast for a duty we don't know, why, yes, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Michael! Salam and good afternoon, Chris. Hello, hello now. Apologies right off the very top, right off the very top of the show. Before we go any further, I think we may have some people in total quarter radio panic out there because mm-hmm. there was an incursion in the RSS feed last week by those jerks over at the Linux Unplugged show. Don't get me started. And there was, uh, there was treacherous penguins that I call them. Yeah. You know that GPL, dude, it's viral. It's a cancer. And uh, uh, You know, Uncle, Uncle Steve was right. Yeah. And so literally in there for just a few hours – but the cascade of caching, Mike, see the cascade of caching around the web that prevented some users up to a week later from getting the correct file, BitMini, and then to confuse matters even more so. Like the true professionals we are, we missed yesterday. So not only do we have the feed issue, but we missed today. So people are in total panic. But don't worry, your quarter radio show is here. We are strong and we are opinionated this week. So never fear. How you doing, Mike? You feel good? I, I was puking my face off yesterday. Oh, not feeling good. Like not, no, not feeling good. Yeah. Yikes. Ooh, get a, a little, uh, a little over, over uh, indulgent on the first Father's Day, I think. Oh. <laughs> Half a bottle of Johnny Walker, probably not, not the right direction. Happy Father's Day, by the way. You know, Very happy Father's Day. Now, the following day, less happy. Yeah. You know, I had uh, – I, I got – by the grace of God – I went to uh, a family event Friday night, a family event Saturday night, and a family event Sunday night. And uh, at the Sunday event, the actual barrel of – I think it was whiskey. I'm not sure. Or it might have been scotch. I don't know. It was bro- – I'm, I'm not a big scotch guy, so I don't think it was scotch. Uh, an actual barrel was brought out and put in the living room. And then the story proceeded about how this is blah 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 financed by blah blah blah. It's this big story, this big to do about this barrel of whiskey, and we all crack it open, put some ice in the glass, and everybody starts hitting this whiskey. And this is just Sunday, right? And I'm like, I I'm gonna have to take it slow. I got two shows on Monday. I can't. I can't. I, I can't. Well, I I admire your discipline. <laughs> I everybody got. So drunk, Mike. They were they were passing out on the. It was I don't know this. I didn't. Even, I, I see. I'm so alcohol dumb. I don't know how it works. I thought like a hundred proof was like the max. I thought it was like a hundred percent. I guess so. it. I guess it turns out there's something called a hundred and ten proof. So that's what this stuff was. Apparently, and they were just lost. Uh, so, but uh, Chris, being the designated driver, just had a few sips and uh, made it. And then on Monday, ended up with a little extra time on my hands. So no no hard feelings there. It's always nice to have a little extra. Time to get a few things done. So I'm kind of glad you overdid it because it gave me a chance to work on a few projects. Well, isn't that the way? Isn't yeah. that how it goes? You know, DockerCon's going on right now in Seattle. I know. A whole conference for Docker. Dude, it's it. huge. And it's one of these conferences now where it's 
So I've been I've only been to uh, a couple of Docker conferences, and one was actual DockerCon, and one was like a community event. And the community event was very much sys uh, admins and people creating ish, uh, solutions around Docker. DockerCon last year was very commercialized, S- management solutions for Docker, enterprise grade solutions for Docker. Uh, this and that. Now, this year, DockerCon, it's a real interesting mix because it's still all of that, but also a lot of VCs walking around looking at interesting like Docker platforms to invest yeah. in, talking about throwing money around on this stuff. Um, and, and Docker itself today announced some orchestration features that essentially are incorporating a lot of the management features and framework features that a lot of the competition or people that are building around Docker have been creating so they sort Docker today sort of Sherlocked some of the Docker ecosystem to a degree. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really interesting how Docker has gone from like a technology you can use for containerization on Linux. And yes, BSD people, I am aware of jails. Everybody's aware of jails. Put your little pitchforks away. It's fine. No one cares. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I just find it like today. No, but it's become this whole like its own platform, its own ecosystem. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. I actually get like RFPs that specifically mention Docker, which I find shocking. Yeah, I was looking at setting up own tracks, and uh, sure. it's just, you know, it's a nice little social find my friends type tracking thing that you can do, and I'm sitting there, it's like, okay, set up this messaging server, set up your web server, set up the TLS server, and I started looking at adding the repos to my Debian source list, and the, the repos were broken, so then I had to start looking at building from source, and right then I stopped and I went, there's got to be a Docker image. Yep, and yep. I go over to the Docker Hub, and the project themselves have published a Docker image, and they're like, here's how you use it with persistent storage. Here's the IP forwarding info, and um, I tell you what, just to, just since we're going all geek here, uh, I took it even a step further just to see if I could, you know, just see how how easy I could get this. Is I have a I have a Fedora Cloud installation sure. running on DigitalOcean, and um, just to kind of see what that's like, because Fedora has this. Um, management interface called cockpit that gives you a nice GUI. So even if you're not a Fedora sysadmin, it's a couple of clicks to set up networking, a couple of clicks to set up mm-hmm. volumes and storage, and, you know, one, two click set up for Docker. And in Fedora cockpit this morning, I go in there and I click find image. I type in own tracks. I find the official own tracks image. And legitimately within 45 seconds, I'm running the entire application stack on Fedora, which is remarkable for two reasons. First of all, how easy it is to get very complicated application stacks with TLS and and a messaging server and an HTTP server all set up and running within 45 seconds is remarkable. To be able to do it with a single push of a button is remarkable. And the fact that I can do it on Fedora and not even notice that I'm using Fedora versus Ubuntu, I think is is pretty special. You know, I actually, it's funny, not, not to derail us too much, but I just got off of a project a couple weeks ago that was a Java Spring Boot project, a uh, fairly enterprise, well, actually very enterprise-style Java project. And, you know, everybody's remote. It's a very distributed team that I was working with. And wouldn't you know that one night, need to get, I was doing the back end, need to get the back end up, could not for the life of me get access to the server I needed, right, because I was not the deployment guy. What do you do? Go to DO, go to Docker Hub, find a Docker image that is exactly the dependencies I needed, slap that baby on DO, and you're good to go. You know, <laughs> I wasn't going to do it, but we should just... <laughs> we should... It, took, it took from zero to deployment. It took me maybe 20 minutes. Now, anybody who's done, like, enterprise Java deployment can I know. tell you that that's a miracle. You know, right? I, I, we should just say DigitalOcean is a sponsor. Let's just do this. We'll do the spot right now. Wasn't planning to it, but... Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. Coder Digital is the promo code if you want to try something out. 
Uh, so I was doing a Fedora 23 rig with Cockpit. I also have some Ubuntu rigs up there. It's it's a digital hosting provider that's really easy to get started. Very straightforward and simple. But one of the nice things about it too is the process of creating and destroying and resetting machines takes seconds, literally seconds. And so that makes experimenting and trying things out very quick and very fast, very straightforward. And they have a great API to automate it too. If you, if you use our promo code, we get credit supports the show, and you get a $10 credit. Code or digital, you can try their $5 rig, two months are free, or do what I do and just, you know, when you're experimenting with something. Hourly pricing, my friend. Yeah, they got hourly pricing, which is really nice. With that super intuitive interface, you can really take advantage of that. And they have great tutorials. In fact, there is an OwnTracks tutorial on DigitalOcean if you want to set that up. It's like a find my friend's iPhone type feature, but it's oh, you run it on your own server, open source. It's really cool. They have a great community documentation site. Because they really make that a priority. Combined with their great interface, there are tons of distros to choose from, data centers all over the world. You got to try them out. Just use our promo code, code or digital, over at digitalocean.com. So there you go. There is your impromptu uh, DigitalOcean spot. Yeah. So I, I do the same thing, Mike. Like, I want to try out this own tracks thing. I could have actually set it up on my local workstation. I mean, that might have even been easier because it's Arch based uh, and it's in the AUR. But at the same time, if I end up using it, I want it on a public server that I can connect to from my mobile device wherever I'm at that I can send updates to. I don't want to worry about punching ports through my firewall, leaving my machine running all the time. So it's really nice to be able to go up there and do that. DigitalOcean.com. Thank you, DigitalOcean, for sponsoring the Code Radio program. All right. So now that, we're, now that we're done with our Docker talk, unless there's any other Docker stuff you want to touch on, I thought maybe we'd chat a little Android N just really quick. Yes, yes. And you know what my favorite thing about Android and Chris is? What, what, what? That I just spent 80 hours in the last week and a half doing Android development, and Android and is totally immaterial to what I'm doing. Oh, well, there's, oh, there's see, what that. I, see what I did there? I suppose. Yeah, I, I'm running right now Android N beta program, uh, ND, MPD56N, which I believe is the uh, fourth and final, but I'm not yes, sure. Yes, final. I also have some hardware love, speaking of Android N. Really? I got the... The, are you ready for it? Ready. Are you ready for this word that's going to come out of my mouth? Um, okay, yes. The, the Huawei Honor 5X or whatever. It's Holy and crap. In the, same, in the same package, because this was from a client, the Fossil Q Android uh, Founder Watch. Now, I, I think we just mentioned this like a week ago or something, right? At the very end yeah, of the show. Yeah. And how, so you've had it. What do you, are you running, you're running Marshmallow on that, on that hero? The, yeah, so the hero is running Marshmallow. Okay. Uh, there, there is an image you can upgrade it, but it's one of those weird things where you have to do it yourself. And I think that's more of a somebody made a ROM kind of thing. Uh, I have to say the, the wad. Wait, is there I'm a sorry. knocking? What is that? What is, wait, wait, what is that knocking? Do you hear a knocking now? Uh, Yes, barely. What was that? Is that, the, is that the cord hitting your... Or is there somebody knocking? Hello? Who's there? Who is there? Uh, this is, uh, this is Tim Cook. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. See, 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 now I have to mention emails. See, are you going to do this to me? <laughs> I thought I was going to... I thought I was finally going to find out your thoughts about this Hawaii phone here. All right, the Huawei phone, which is huge, by the way. Huge. It's huge. huge. Is it, is it huge? Wall. Uh, it's actually really big. <laughs> it's it's surprisingly it, it, all right. Is it essentially the six P? Is it that is, what it is? It's essentially like the six P and the five um, Nexus five X had a baby, but the 
Huawei Honor phone is very slippery. Oh, Honor phone. Is, is this the Honor yeah. 7? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Or the Honor 6, do you know? It's 5-something. I have it right here. Jeez, oh, dude. This is confusing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the names are confusing. Yeah. I, the Honor I, 5X? The Honor 5X? 5X okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Nice. Yeah. It is incredibly slippery, though, to the point if I can barely hang on to this thing. Huh. I've dropped it at least 10 times. Um, hasn't broken yet, so that's great. Performance-wise, it's about where the Nexus 5X is. Yeah. It's not a little more sputtery on animations here and there. I had to rip off Huawei's launcher because, oh, my God. And I put on the Google Now launcher because, you know, it's not terrible. Hmm. Uh, that does you know, look like that looks a lot like the five X, yeah. It really is. I mean, it has some nice things, right? That that back of the phone fingerprint scanner is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Unless you uh, have it uh, in a phone mount or in a car mount or a case. If you put it in a case, you run yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. One thing I will say, you know, I got, I got this package. The big standout to me coming from the Moto three hundred and sixty is the Fossil Q. It is so much better than the Moto 360. It, it almost, it almost makes the 360 look embarrassing. And, and to be clear, I had the first generation initial launch 360, right? The developer one. I mean, the Q. I get roughly double the battery life. I can actually go a full day and a full night. Um, it's just peppy. It's faster. It has a more updated version of Android Wear. Um, the no, okay. Your knocking is back. Your your knocking is. I'm sorry. It's very distracting. I don't hear any knocking. I think it might be the cord hitting your pole. Is, is my cord hitting your pole? I think I think it might be. Yeah, and I can't I can't stop. I can't help it. I, it, it just distracts me. All right, let's see. I think you're. Yeah, I don't hear. Okay, I think you're, right. I think your cord is no longer slapping up against the pool, the pole. Just just slapping it. Just. So, uh, so have you tried N on, and can you try N on this thing? Supposedly, there's a way to sideload it. I have not done it. Hmm. Um, and I, I have to admit, after three days of using the Honor, I ended up switching back to iPhone as my daily driver. Oh, really? Yeah, the battery life was too crappy. Oh, okay. Yeah, boy, Wear sure does, Android Wear doesn't work so well with iOS. It's very limited. No, and that's the sad part. I, I Android, ha- the watches are so good, but the lack of compatibility with, with iPhone is just dude, not doing it. It's a bummer, it. yeah. I love the always-on display and the... Yep. Yeah, all that. Um, <clears throat> so here's where I wanted to go with Android N. I, I don't know if you're curious. I don't know if, if you have any more you want to say about the no, uh, no, don't give me the uh, the hero phone, the hero phone. What do you think overall of Huawei though, or, or Huawei or whatever you say? You know, very good, very low cost option. Yeah. Uh, for someone who often has to buy dev devices, I could see myself. You know, I, I cause again, I got it from a customer, so I went up and like, well, what do these things cost? Like, where do they get them? You could buy this phone on Amazon for like one hundred and seventy dollars, which is super affordable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, a couple of things about N that I thought uh, are kind of nice is they are now doing uh, a rolling update program, so they'll just sort of silently do uh, updates in the background and then roll them into your phone. And you know, they've 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 demonstrated this in the beta process itself. So I'm running the end beta right now. And one of the really nice things about that, you can just Google search enrolling in the end beta program if you have a compatible phone. And you just simply go to this page. It lists all of your Android devices that may or may not be – well, any if it's compatible or not, which for me it's only one device. And one is, once you've done that, within – I don't know. For me, it was five, ten minutes. 
a notification lands on your phone that says a system update is available and it you tap it and it tells you about the beta program. It asks you if you want to enroll in the beta program. You accept that. It downloads just like every other update and this is under Marshmallow for my phone. Downloads a update down, and you restart. It installs the end beta. It upgrades so all of my apps, all of my settings, every, my, even my backgrounds, everything just came right along with no issue. Every, every app is still logged in. All my Wi-Fi passwords still connect. And then it just has silently let me know and it says, hey, okay, the next update is downloaded, ready to go. You're good to go. And when you're ready to stop, you just go in and you un, unenroll the device, I guess, or whatever the term would be. And it, that does wipe the device. That does a reset. But you can restore from a backup and get back up and going pretty quickly. So it's a re- the update process that they have nailed in Android N is really smooth. And the other thing I'm really liking about Android N is it feels potentially a little faster when you use their file level encryption instead of their whole device encryption. So that's pretty cool too. I haven't really played much with multi-window support. Uh, direct reply notification support doesn't really work in the apps I have right now, but that's kind of like an iOS. When you get a notification, you can now reply within the notification bubble, which is going to be really nice. So there's a couple of things in there uh, that have me back on the Android platform and um, enjoying it quite a bit. It isn't perfect performance-wise. In fact, now, I had it crash on me today, but yeah, go what ahead. What device did you throw N on? Is it the uh, 5X? Yes. Or? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. See, see, that's the thing. I've always found the Nexus devices to really be the best experience for me, too. Yeah, it's a little sluggish on the 5X, but uh, I've, I've tried it on uh, 6Ps, and it performs yeah. better there. So that seems to be, yeah. I think, yeah. I don't know, I, I feel like a lot of the... Uh, here, of course, like you said at the beginning, though. I mean, I'm getting all I see. What are, I'm getting all excited about the smoother, streamlined, more direct updates. But like you said, is it really going to matter? I, I mean, how many people even end up using this release? I suppose. I, I mean, I, I'm. Yeah, my current project. I'm still super worried about four four. I'm just, you know. Okay. Well, I, there you go. There yeah. you go. I don't really. I didn't really have. I just. I had. I had. I had some hands-on time with it. Um, I like it. And I also like it with Android Wear. I think it's a really good setup. And I think if you've been on iOS for a while, it is worth just seeing what the other side does. If, because those, net, those, net, those 5Xs are on sale constantly right now. I've, been re, I've retweeted a few of them. They're just, yeah, if you catch it at the right time, you can get a 5X relatively cheap. Yeah. So let me ask you this, though, Chris. Because remember Google I.O., they made an effort to say you know, a number of APIs were just going to be backported via Google Play services, right? Do you feel that – I mean obviously going all the way back to 4.4 is different, but let's say Marshmallow to N. Because I feel like that's kind of – they did a really good job of removing the gap, right? Removing the bridge between the two differences. Um, meaning that yeah. – yeah, like I have, an, I have one end phone that I sideloaded, but I haven't used much. And this uh, Huawei phone, which is Marshmallow. And honestly – it's not that material of a difference. Like it seems fine. Where when I pick up one of my four four test devices, mm, it's yes. like I'm on another planet. Yeah, for sure. I definitely see that. Yeah, there's nice like refinements in N, especially like in the notification tray. But uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's not. And while we're on the Android train, did you see the thing? Uh, Google's going to the Open JDK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, well, that's. Did we? Did we not talk about that? I we talked about it as a rumor, and then it came oh. out. Last week, that they're they're in fact doing it. And they yeah. Haven't. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Uh, I thought we talked about that for end, but I can't remember. 
Um, yeah, there's a whole interesting story there. I'm waiting to see when it actually drops. Waiting to see, but we will see. So I'm glad you like the fossil. So are you using the fossil with the uh, internet phone? A little. Again, it sucks with the iPhone, though. Mm-hmm. So this is the whole platform lock-in thing that I don't love. Yeah, I've tried. I tried. Uh, I tried the uh, Android Wear with iOS too, and it's just a, basically a remote notification. It doesn't right. even. It doesn't even report back your steps. Doesn't do any of the fitness stuff. Yeah. Uh, you can't control your apps with it. No. Yeah, it's not. You can do media playback control, which is nice. Yeah. You can do music playback. Yeah. yeah, or podcast if you have a podcast app. So uh, I saw you tweet something this week. Oh no! That we had to talk about. I so uh, I can't remember the exact context of the tweet, but it was something like sometimes agile just feels like a death march to the end. I, I think the exact content of the tweet was sometimes agile feels like a bunch of mini death marches. Yeah, I mean, that's what it was. Uh, that's that. Uh, the probably I'll go find it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, I could find it. But so tell me, Mr. Dominic, tell me about your woes. I'm here for you, friend. You're here for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Is this a safe place? It is. We are. We are amongst friends. So just I've been uh, I've been death marching pretty <laughs> hardcore. But not like one big death march over three weeks or a month. A bunch of little daily death marches. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, this is probably the craziest iteration of Agile I've seen yet. Uh, there it is. Yeah, sometimes Agile really just means a bunch of mini death marches. Mm-hmm. Dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like it's been kind of a grinder. Like it's just been not, not like in the uh, sexy not app the, kind. Not but, fun grinder. Yeah, no, but like in the uh, wear you down into pulp kind. It's been interesting. You know, one, one thing that I found is when you're doing daily iterations, any variance, and if you're a crappy estimator like I am, and crappy can be both ways, right? You, I will underestimate certain features and overestimate others. Mm. But when the time scale is, you know, six hours, eight hours, whatever it is, it's super hard to be accurate. <laughs> and you're always kind of, I wouldn't say disappointing, but... You know, with that low of a time scale, at least in my case, my estimates aren't that good. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I told uh, I told my customer that one thing would be done in a day, and I got it done in an hour and a half. But then one other feature I thought would take two hours took a day. Yeah, that is very much how it goes, isn't it? And it's it's uh, for me, it's funny. You seem to have short range predictability issues. I have pretty good short range, and when you go out even two weeks, I'm like. I have that two weeks might as well be 10 years. I have no idea. Well, I, I've been told that my estimates are terrible above like 300 hours. <laughs> you have a range. Yeah, like I, 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 if you tell me the budget's 500 hours, I think we can build Rome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do know what you mean there too because you're like, boy, with that much time, we'll figure it out. We'll get it done. Yeah, no, for me it's uh, – if I'm being really brutally honest, if it's a project or if it's something that has to be committed to for more than a three-day time span, um, I'm no good. People literally will email me and say, can you do this for me in three weeks? And I'll be like, can you check with me three days before you need it? <laughs> so the problem I'm having is kind of twofold. One, it is really hard for me to estimate small units of work. Yeah. I've just never been good at it. Yeah. I mean, when when we're below the day marker, it's just not – something I'm awesome yeah. at. Yeah. Uh, the other side of it is having this type of super tight agile process actually introduces a lot of ceremony, right? A lot of you know daily updates, daily meetings, spreadsheets, all this kind of stuff that's I want to say productivity theater, 
Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. I like that. Productivity theater. Yes, I well, like that. I, I definitely understand why the non-technical people feel really good that the technical team's doing this for them now. But the reality is they just burned, you know, how many hundreds of, hundreds of dollars because, you know, right. if yep. we're not doing yep. debt, we're doing that. Yep. Or just keeping everybody in the loop or we're getting everybody on board or – which is good. There's a, there's definitely a space for that, but it's interesting. So you put that. So I want to let's 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 break it down a little bit. Pro- productivity theater isn't that interesting? Isn't that like isn't that like the plague of a project when you have enough stakeholders, quote unquote, involved where yeah. they need to prove relevancy? Now I'm, I might be taking the more cynical tact on this. I might be there might be a, a less cynical look at, it, but there I from my experience. There is a quote-unquote size of company you get to where yeah. all of a sudden several individuals involved in the conversation have no technical capabilities. Now, they have See, things that they're in charge of that are important, but they have no actual well, technical skill sets. Yeah, I mean I would say on this project the, the, greatest, the best person I was working with was the technical – the developer on, on the customer side, right? Um, Although I will give credit, like the PMs on their side are super good. They they know enough to say they don't know what they're talking about, which is awesome. But it's very hard to explain to somebody. And if you think about it, in, in a lot of other industries, you could say, well, like a lawyer can with some accuracy tell you, you know, Mike, we're going to draft this letter to your client who hasn't paid you in 450 years. Um, that'll take me an hour. And it takes about an hour, right? Like he knows how long it takes. Sometimes... You know, I'll give you a real world example. I hit a weird Java compatibility thing between the Java version on my local machine and the fact that they wanted to move to OpenJDK, which is a discussion for another day about certain weird little things that don't behave the same way. But it took me a day and a half to figure that out. Yeah, you could. I feel like you're being hard on yourself too, though, because <clears throat> you could say, well, a ditch digger always knows how long it's going to take to dig a ditch. Yeah, that's true, right. But then again, not necessarily. They could hit a water pipe and all of a sudden a small little project just turned into a massive issue. And it happens from time to time, even for the ditch digger. So I think you're being a little hard on yourself. I mean, this oh, I is like, – what you really need is flex. – it needs to be a flexible, dynamic situation going into it. You know what we tried to do, we tried to solve this in consulting by having a an hours pool, and you ask us for a job, we'll give you a guesstimate, but you got this pool of hours you've prepaid for, and uh, we just you know we just account what we use that pre pooled of hours for, and then anything you want on top of that you pay for by the hour. And so it's like a banking system. Basically. Yeah, yeah, and so that gives you some buffer, and then there'd also be some tasks that never pulled from the pool, so there'd be like emergency jobs or specific types of work like. Uh, something that was server exploded. Right? Yeah, Things or that. or you neglected another. You neglected to do something, and so there was a failure. Those kinds of things would be outside the pool of minutes. But the pool of minutes was sort of our our go to in order to to encourage customers to do a little extra work on their systems to per, to do the preventative work. Because well, I got these hours to burn. I'll go. All right, go ahead and do the preventative work. And now sure, I don't. Sure, sure. That though, you could protect. Maybe that model could be tweaked and said, "Well, here's a pool of hours you're going to get," because some of these are so just rough it, estimates. It's important to state, though, I'm not actually over my estimate in terms of total hours. Sometimes you're under it, even right. I mean, sometimes it's a problem. Like for me, I go out on but, location and say, "This is a half day project, and I'm done in two hours." Well, th- there's a general estimate for the entire job, right? 
Sure. And then there's these individual – on the entire job, we're actually doing pretty well on our estimate. It's the individual getting – Right. Getting down to – The nitty little things that – Right. Yeah, that is frustrating. And maybe I should maybe I should get into this a little bit. You know, one of the things I'm trying is this daily continuous delivery thing. Uh, one, because this customer wants it, hmm. and two, because it's always we've had this dream that one day this is going to be how we do things, and you know, it's transparent, right? So no one ever feels sticker shock on a bill. Mm-hmm. Um, theoretically, we could tie it into a local server here or to something like um, oh, if we. Um, Co-chip, right? Remember we had them yeah. on about a year ago? You could do something like that. Or, hey, the new Espresso thing in Android Studio, if it was an Android project. That has yet to happen. Because, again, getting people to pay for unit testing is a whole other kind of conversation. But what I'm finding is when you do daily builds, sometimes the little changes that happen in a day, you end up in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Which isn't awesome. Yeah. And you find yourself kind of having to almost sell the demo, right? Hmm. Whereas if it was a two-week or a one-week iteration, there's there's just volume, right? It's, it's pure volume. It's obvious, yeah. Right. You just, here's the APK, or in this case, we deployed it to the server. Um, have at it. Here's a brief bullet point list of what we think is done. So there's such a thing as too much information, too much too much. Uh, too much communication? Well, I, I think it's adding a level of inefficiency because you're having conversations. You're having at least 30-minute-to-hour meetings every day about very small changes. Yeah, that's super. I've been in that. I've been there, and that has been. And you know what we spent a lot of our time talking about was the website, not sure. so much about the application we were building. I've been in that position Creating a, a back end, a, 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 the back end component to a to a game, yeah. And uh, the daily meetings eventually, after a lot of petitioning, came to an end. But it took a lot of petitioning. And to be honest with you, even then, the weekly meeting, seventy percent of it eventually ended up. We discussed things that it would be a small update on the back end code. Here's what's going on. Here's the latest build. Here's what here's what the issue was, and right. then. Here's what we did to fix that issue. And then we'd spend the rest of the time talking about the website. One thing I would add to that, and I would ask you, was your customer ultimately happy with that process? I think so. I think mine is too. I think actually they taking, – taking the devil's advocate point of view – Maybe it's not about productivity for them, right? Maybe it's about transparency and that this is the most ultimate, insane form of totally open kimono transparency. Which, in a way, if you're nervous about working with contractors, is something you might want to do. And maybe it's worth the, the cost of being built for meetings, right? That, yeah. That's something that I guess you would need to know. I mean, I've had remote workers for a long time. I've been a remote worker for a long time. So I'm pretty, you know, it's pretty obvious to me, and it hasn't happened in years, but like I had one guy a couple years ago send me an invoice that was obviously not accurate. But that, whether that time scales, you know, a day or a month, you know, fragrant fraud is flagrant, right? You can see it. It's right there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like it's like the pitcher punching the catcher in baseball or, like, or the throwing a 
ball at the batter's head or it, something. It definitely, it definitely, <clears throat> it definitely removes the surprises on both sides of the relationship. Well, and that, there is an advantage to us in that. At no point now can this customer ever come back and say, oh, well, we weren't happy. Well, you were happy yesterday, right? There, there is that element of it. I think the, the issue I always ran into in this dynamic was I always ended up feeling like, okay, but when it's time to get the real work done, everybody goes away, and I sit down here and I crank out this stuff. Well, that's what happens, right? Yeah, but that, but that creates sort of a, all right, time to stop working and uh, come talk to the talking heads. So then I can get back to work again. And that's not really – that, that is super disruptive. In yeah. fact, twice last week I was in the middle of, of a pretty significant uh, – I was writing the stupid algorithm that we needed because I will talk about this project one day in the future and about some very miserly server people who won't give me a bigger server. <laughs> but needless to say – Server man! I just want a little more RAM. <laughs> You know, did you like, fill out a change control request? Because what you don't understand is to put more RAM in the system, we have to shut down the entire stack. And once we shut down, you. It's, it's physical boxes. Yeah, and once we I'm shut, like, if we shut first, but first we have to shut down the database server, which means we got to take the website offline, and we got to schedule an outage for that. And we, you know what? It's just, you know, Rick's worked a lot of weekends for the last few weeks, so we got to make sure we get this thing on the schedule. It's not that we don't want to do it; it's just that we need to take everything just, into consideration. It's just one of those like, okay, so you're not you're 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 going to cap me at five twelve? Okay, awesome. Uh, and we're running Java. Oh, and the database is on the same box. Great. All right, let's uh, let's rock. Okay. Listen, I have I have not written Java code this tight in years. I mean. Let's be honest. I'm a little fast and loose on Android, right? Because you have two gigs of RAM, and honestly, it's Android. <laughs> you know, they're used to their apps barely working. So, but this is like, all right, now, is it a for loop or a for each loop? Let's, let's look up. A bit. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those situations where... One, I would say it's penny-wise, pound-foolish on the whole performance side of it because it would be so much cheaper to double the RAM in this machine and not worry about any of this. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm in the middle of this really, really, I would say, very, very interesting algorithm that I wrote. But it was, let's just say it was code written for performance, not for people. <laughs> in fact, I have a comment, don't touch it. <laughs> it did everything wrong. Because it was just one of those things. It had to hit a certain memory, right? It had to be below this bar. Uh, and I'm, a, I'm just like, I'm right in the middle of figuring it out. I'm right in the middle of fixing it. And what happens? Fantastic Hal pops up. You have a go-to meeting. Mm-hmm. Oh, son of a... I mean, I'm right there. You know how awful that was? Mm-hmm. And then by the time I get off the meeting, I forgot what I was doing. Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I could feel the loss of my train of thought. Oh, man. Like, I have so been there. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it's um, I don't know where that leaves us, but a little sad. Well, uh, you know, this is part of the ongoing theme, trying to like explore agile and how other people do it, and and then and how you have to fit into that. I have, I actually want to talk about something that might pick you up a little bit because I think uh, you you caught a trend, and now it's taken off like shenanigans. You were talking about this before Google I/O. You were talking about this before WWDC. But before we get there, we got to mention Linux Academy because. This is a platform I think would be perfect for you guys. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders to support this show and learn more and get yourself a discount. This is a learning platform for all the technologies built around Linux. 
Linux itself, the core technologies and fundamentals to some of the advanced topics, and then everything on top of it that makes you money. If you're trying to get noticed by your employer, get a better gig, get a job, maybe get that client, or even challenge yourself, Linux Academy is a great, great service. They have 2,489 self-paced courses where you can obtain experience. They have scenario-based labs that put you in the middle of common, everyday tasks. Instructor mentoring is available if you need it. Graded server exercises help you prepare in real time. Red Hat courseware, Ruby on Rails, Ruby itself, Python, OpenStack, PHP, Android, Amazon Web Services, that whole DevOps category. They've recently introduced new features too. Social cards. Not like social like Twitter, but social like with other people on the Linux Academy platform. So you know you have your note stack, like note cards, that can really help you study. And they can be a great asset. And now Linux Academy has introduced the ability to fork it. So you can find somebody's stack and fork it. And then you can create your own stack and then somebody can fork that. And you can end up with really, really great studying resources. In fact, they're giving away some Amazon gift cards to some of the best top stacks. Go learn more. It's got a community full of Jupyter Broadcasting members, a platform that's constantly being updated, backed by really passionate people. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. <clears throat> so Intel's making a big stink about their new, uh, I think it's like... Uh, Xeon Pi or Phi, I can't remember what the name is, but, but they've got their new artificial intelligence CPU that's hitting the market this week. It's built around trying to get all of these machine learning tasks that are going up on GPUs back onto the x86 platform. And so they're about pushing really hard to get people interested in Phi, P-H-I. There's Xeon Phi, Intel's answer to GPUs. Uh, and according to the Intel rep, it's faster and more scalable than GPUs because... GPUs are very, very, very task-specific, whereas mm-hmm. these are fast and can do general other computing platform tasks as well. Now, on top of Intel releasing their hardware chip, Netflix has open-sourced its new machine learning tool, which apparently Netflix has one. In the WWDC documentation, there is some, there is some documentation about a new machine learning API that Apple's making available to developers. And then you had a post over on Buccaneer.io about machine learning. And I silence. did. So I, this and, is and silence. machine learning bots. Uh, I mean, is it all? Are, are, is this all kind of the same thing? It, 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 you know, it's very deep related. learning or derp right. learning. As, uh, as I, a, I prefer derp learning. Yeah, it, uh, I actually have I have the derp learning extension installed. So just like butt to, or cloud to butt, I have a deep learning to derp learning. So in your blog post right here, you talk about derp learning or machine learning. It's nice, and it makes me smile. So what do you yeah. think is going on here, Mike? Well, I, I, th- I think a couple things are going on, right? Let's be cynical first. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, the, the companies that lost, quote-unquote, the mobile war are now yeah. looking for the next battleground, i.e. Facebook, Microsoft. Although Facebook won, but they won in a weird way, right? They, they are like the most used apps on every platform. Well, I would say Android's pretty big into this, or I mean Google's pretty big into this, and obviously they've got Android. Well, Google wants to eat the planet. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And they just already have machine learning as part of that monster. Yeah, you know, Google is – got to say Google's huge, right? Like Google's so big they can do anything they want to do mm-hmm. at so any they, random point. Yeah, they are a country. Yeah. I, I, I think they actually have an Air Force. Don't they have the balloon thing? Yeah. And, and probably a standing Navy, let's be honest. Where do you see this going, machine learning? Like if it's legit, uh, are, are computers and interfaces so going to be better you at predicting? Remember, do you remember the guy uh, from HP who said there's only going to be five computers in the world? Yeah. 
And I said about a year ago that I thought he was right because it'll be because of the cloud, right? Because really we're all just renting space on these computers. To a degree, yeah. Right. Even DO is a very small version of, of that. Yeah, it's, you're buying a virtual machine. Right. I think this is even taking that to its next logical step of, you know, we're going back to the mainframe days. The tough work of your application, of your software, is not going to be on the person's device. The person, whatever pretty device the person and you won't care what type. You won't care if it's a desktop, a traditional desktop, some kind of weird touch hybrid, a phone, whatever, even a wearable. You'll be running an HTML5 front end, and the back end is going to be where all the action is. And machine learning is another layer of that, right? I'll give you an example where I, I'm wondering if this is where you see it. An everyday task that perhaps would be completely transparent to the end user, but requires a fundamental amount of engineering in the back end to make it work. So um, let's see, when was this? Uh, Let's just say yesterday, although I don't remember what it was. Yesterday, I got in my truck uh, with my lady, and Uh I had recently pre-programmed one of her favorite radio stations into the truck's radio, which is a touchscreen-based Dodge stereo system. And I did that a couple of nights before, and so I remembered when I got in the truck, the next thing I wanted, the first time we were riding together, I wanted to let her know that I had gotten this FM station pre-programmed for her. Pretty simple to intent, not really hard to figure out what I want to do. We get in the truck, we start driving, put it in drive. <clears throat> it's uh, <clears throat> it's about six o'clock, seven o'clock at night, so it's it's still maybe seven o'clock. You know, it's still fairly bright out. The sun is beginning to go down, so it's a little darker, but it's still pretty nice out. And it's raining a little bit. So uh, as uh, the truck has uh, a luminance sensor and it detects the, uh, the light, so it automatically turns on my headlights for me. And as I continue to drive down the road, I decide to turn on the windshield wipers. Now, the, the computer in the truck starts to do a little bit of math, and it goes, if the luminance level is at X and the headlights are on and then the windshield wipers get activated, assume it is so dark outside that we should activate night mode on the internal displays of the vehicle. And so when I flipped on my windshield wipers, that equation kicks off, and my stereo system flips into this nighttime mode, which, because it was still bright out and the sun was shining on the screen, it was completely impossible to see the screen. And so here I was, after two days of pre-planning to impress my girlfriend by remembering her favorite radio station and pre-programming in, as I'm reaching to press the button on my touchscreen to change the station, the screen goes dark and I can't see any of the controls on my touchscreen. And the only way to get that screen back is to turn off my windshield wipers, which then makes it hard to see out the window. And it's this computer trying to figure out the best thing for me, but blowing it. And, you know, 90% of the time, it nails that scenario just right. But 10% of the time, it blows it, and it's very frustrating. And I started thinking, what would be the only way for it to ever get this right every time, to suss out my intention and actually nail it? And the only thing I could think of is if all the other Dodge headsets in Washington State were reporting back to a Dodge server what actions they were taking, and then the Dodge server could average out what the best intention likely is, in the conditions, since it's averaging out the results of all the other vehicles, and then give the, the computer in the Dodge truck a little bit of information to base its decision off of. And the, the only way to do that would be to have every single truck connected to the Internet reporting back to a system anonymously, hopefully, and then delivering that inf- that the, the, the results out to these, to these vehicles in either real time or in downloads as the vehicle starts or something like that. It would just require an immense 
network and server reporting capability for them to pull it off. But it seems to me only at a scale like that can the scenario ever get it right. Because otherwise, sometimes some programmer is going to say, this is the scenario, and they're just going to get it wrong. And now I'm driving down the road, and I either choose to look out the windshield or choose to see my, my screen. Obviously, I have to choose the windshield, and so I just don't get any radio. But I hope that if we, can get, if we can get things like machine learning and predictive analytics like you talk about in this blog post, uh, things like, like WeChat uses already – to sort of suss well, out some intent. You could imply right. it. You could, you could see how you could solve the most first-world pedantic problems all the way up to massive scale. Well, that's what it is, right? The whole, the whole point of all this bot and machine learning stuff, and let's just throw it in one category and call it, in quotes, AI, but it's really not what I think of in terms of AI, is that instead of me inputting a command or tapping a button and the computer does something, it's now that the software, i.e. the computer, predicts what I need and takes preemptive action. That's, it's all about preemptive action, right? Which, you know, all these first world problems. Okay, I, I can see Amazon hmm. doing something like this. Sure, oh, yes, exactly hey, what I was thinking of, yeah. Hey, you know, and, and in fact, you know, I would like it for my office. Hey, you're running low on K-cups, you're running low on green tea, right? Just stuff that I constantly always want to keep stopped. I, I'm, not, I'm honestly surprised our smartphones haven't done this already. To, you can hack it together, like with Tasker and other things like that, but why, why aren't smartphones, using all the sensors they have, more situationally aware? Why, why can't it dynamically figure out more, more – autom- like, am I moving at 60 miles per hour or not? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I don't know, right? I mean, the, the Windows phones had something like that mm-hmm. with the uh, Nokia maps where if you were speeding, it would actually warn you. Um, but that quickly died because, you know, let's be honest, <laughs> Windows phone. I've talked also with uh, Ryan, the CTO of Mycroft, the open source sure, AI, sure. and I've said – could could we could you even have because they have they've open sourced their intent parser and it could could developers I asked them could you even just integrate that into an application launcher so I could just have an application launcher that's a little bit smarter about my intentions I I I would I would love for a scenario where computers could be a little bit more clever I actually just think it's impossible though I I feel like unless you could have all of these devices genuinely talking to each other which would sounds like a security nightmare to me. Uh, and and discussing all of their related decisions to uh, to use some sort of averaging out. I, I just can't see how this stuff can really work that well unless you have a massive data set. You need a ton of data to get the right intent. I mean, and it might just not yeah. be practical. And so you can see why Google and Microsoft are trying to position themselves as the outsourced machine learning engine because it's such a monstrous task. Although, at the same time, we might be overselling it a bit did you see uh, John Gruber's interview with uh, Federici and uh, Schiller? I did, but we'll have to cover it next week, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got to run. I got to um, run. They, they mentioned in there some interesting things about machine learning, so I'll see if I can pull that clip for next week so we can talk about it because that would be a good conclusion to our yeah, machine I, learning I, discussion. You know what? Maybe let's do machine learning as the topic for next week. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll try to get the clip in the, in, the, in the meantime so that we will have uh, that to talk about. So that'll work out I mean, just fine. It'll be, a, it'll be a differential topic, right? Ah, <laughs> but um bump All right, Mr. Dominic. Well, let's run because you've got a meeting to get to and I've got another show to get to. So we'll end the conversation right there to pick it back up next week. JBLive.tv is where you go to watch or listen to the Coda Radio program, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get it converted to your local time zone. If you want to read Mike's post, buccaneer.io, we'll have it linked in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter as well. We'll have links in the show notes for that. And don't forget about that contact page. We want your emails. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. 
and we'll see you right back here next week. 